Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Instant reaction edition of the Night Report podcast. Richie Schneiderite joining me once again. Richie, we got a, our first commitment of the 2023 class. Uh, this is our second edition of our first commit of the 2023 class. Uh, John Stone, it sounds like a creative player in NCAA football, but now this is a real person. He's an interior lineman from South Jersey, Washington ta- <clears throat> Township to be specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we getting this kid? Um, I mean, you're getting a pretty ferocious offensive lineman. I know... Uh... We just kind of talked about it off camera. He plays left tackle for Washington Township down in South Jersey. It's not the biggest program in the world, so he's kind of playing there out of necessity. But he's probably going to play along the interior for Rutgers, whether that be guard or a guard or center. Um, personally, I think just based on size, if he's currently six three, I'd probably prefer him at guard a little bit. Like also, like Shiano probably does too as well, just because they like to get as big as possible in these trenches. It seems like. Um, but overall, a very, very good get, uh, a top 10 kid in state tech uh, right now. Um, I know he doesn't have his ranking, so to speak, for state just yet on our profiles. But if you look at the uh, current kids that are ranked um, in the Rivals database for New Jersey, he's anywhere from six to nine in that uh, in that ranking pool. But, uh, yeah, very, very good get. Um, ferocious offensive lineman, not afraid to – he has that wrestling background a little bit, so he is not afraid to, to punch the opposing defensive lineman. Um, very good hands. Uh, the only thing I think he has to work on a little bit is his bend, which is which is fine. Most offensive linemen have to do that anyway. Um, if he can get a little bit lower, I think uh, he has – there's no question in the world that he could be a four-star when all is said and done. Yeah, and that was kind of surprising that you were, you were kind of also referencing that, you know – when you let the, the national guys know that, you know, we might have a commitment, they do somewhat of like a quick review just to give them a yeah. rating. And apparently they were pretty impressed with what they saw to give them a 5.7 three-star rating, which means, I mean, he's right on the, the cusp of getting a four-star. It sounds like he's a pretty raw athlete in general. Like I know he's also a wrestler. He just started back up wrestling. Um, sounds like technique-wise, he has a few things he needs to work on, but he has that, that nasty streak. He blocks right through the tackle, a lot of, right, right through the whistle a lot of the times. And that's it seems to be something we're focusing on more as a, a requirement of an offensive lineman that he just has that mean streak to him. Yeah. So going back to the beginning, what you just said, um, I texted uh, the rivals ranking guys on Monday, I think, or Sunday, whenever he, I guess he got the offer Sunday. So I texted him Sunday. I was like, hey, there's just South Jersey kid. Uh, kind of sounds like he's going to commit soon. Can we get him a ranking possibly beforehand? Like, let's try to escalate this a little bit because it's going to be important to have that uh, those star rankings out there. I know some people like him, some people hate him, whatever. But uh, I got a text back, I want to say, maybe in less than an hour back later. And they're like, holy shit, like, <laughs> this kid's pretty good. And I was like, yeah, yeah he's, he's a mean SOB. Like, he's a mean son of a bitch. He, he not, he's not afraid to hit the opposing uh, defenders. He plays to the whistle. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of a Dante Chin type guy, but, pro- but a little bit more um, developed along physically. Um, Knows the game a little bit better, too. Uh, just an overall very good get for Rutgers early on. I know this is technically their second 2023 commit because they did lose Josiah Peterson, who decommitted not too long ago. They're still very much on him. 
um, it's pretty clear that they want offensive linemen that have a mean streak. And I think I've been raving about that since we started the pod, even before that, like they just need to have a mean streak in order to be successful at this level of college football. And, and they're starting to get that in there with the 2022 class and now starting with 2023 as well. Yeah. And it's interesting. We only have 13 offers currently out according to the, the rivals offer database to New Jersey prospects. Five of them are on the offensive line. Um, is this just a down year in Jersey? Is that kind of why we're, we're sprawling out more nationally for this uh, 2023 class? Um, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if I'd consider it a down year. Um, there, there's some kids out there. There's like the Eric Kings, Josiah Peterson's, Ali, Shakir, Mitchell, the top, it's very top heavy. I would say, um, I think you can last class in 2022. I think there was five, four stars. I think you could argue that there's probably six or seven in this year's class. So it's very top heavy, but after that top 10 to 15, it's just, there's just a big drop off. There's not many, um, big name kids out there yet. Maybe some will um, show up down the line and kind of surprise us. And, and then they'll pop up on the rankings radar, pop up on Rutgers radar, et cetera. Just like it happens every year when you go to these camps and you're like, Oh, you should, who's that guy. And it's like, yeah. Oh, that kid's been playing there for like two years. I, I've never seen him. You never seen him. No. Oh, well, look at him. There's, there's a three, there's a four-star ranking. And um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I do think it's a little bit of a down year, but very top heavy class. And at the end of the day, you kind of have to start going nationally regardless. If you're not going to land these top-tier kids from the Big North every year or any years at this point, you just have to start going elsewhere. Um, obviously, New York's been pretty kind to Rutgers over the past few seasons. Uh, Moses Walker, four-star. Uh, Pennsylvania's done pretty well with Anthony Johnson, Samuel Brown, Amir Stanetti, et cetera, et cetera. They're starting to get more into the Philadelphia area, which is a good, very good sign for Rutgers. Um, very fertile recruiting ground that you have to kind of be in, especially when you have your, what, an hour away from campus, maybe tops. Maybe yeah. It's, it's crazy how much closer we are to the, the Philadelphia area as a school than like a school like Penn state, even though Penn yeah. state is the school of Pennsylvania. Um, yeah. No, it, it is interesting. Cause I've had people bring it up to me. They're like, why do they struggle so much like recruiting Philly from the Penn state side? And I'm like, well, you're like three and a half hours away. That's why. <laughs> and culturally, like it's, <laughs> it's yeah. a pretty huge jump from, from state college to Philadelphia. I think New Brunswick actually is probably more comfortable for a lot of the kids who grew up in the city yeah. because it, it is a smaller city and everything's a little bit more close together and not so yeah. spread apart and uh, mountainous, I guess, and hmm. barren like it is in state college. Yeah. And just landing a couple of Philly kids in this past 2022 class is going to pay dividends big time for Rutgers. The kids want to play where they're familiar with people. Like it's, it's no secret. Like you land a couple yeah. big North kids, you're going to see like, Oh, okay. All of a sudden these, these other big North kids want to play with gear price. They want to play with, um, I forget who else they landed from the big North, but you, you know who I'm talking about. Yep. Um, same thing over and over again, but yeah, I, I do think they're going to go a little more nationally. I think they're hitting Florida pretty hard so far with offers at least. Um, does it end up paying off? Only time will tell. We're, we're seeing it pay off a little bit with like a guy like Akeem Williams, who's been up at Rutgers three, four times already. Bryson Rogers has been there twice. Uh, Santana Fleming's been there twice, three times. Um, yeah, so I mean, you're getting these kids on campus, but you got to start landing commits, I think. I know a lot of people are still saying it's early. Yes, but the way recruiting works now, these classes are basically filled by May. <laughs> well, yeah, they're filling them early. Uh, basically so they could have a little more extra time to evaluate those guys they take and also to see if anybody breaks out because, I mean, Rutgers isn't really the type to push kids out of a class, but other schools in the area are. And so you want to fill up with your, like your first choice, second choice guys 
in the spring of their junior year. So you can see how they do in their senior year, if they get injured or whatever. Um, also it, you know, you get to see how your team performs, like where your like glaring holes are and how many, how many scholarships do we need to save for the transfer portal? Because I mean, like we've seen, like you could take seven offensive linemen in a, in a high school class, but that, that gaping hole is still going to be there. So you're still going to need to dedicate transfer scholarships there. Yeah. That's um, something I kind of wanted to talk about real quick. My, my bad. I mean, to cut you off. No, you're good. Um, so, yeah. So like it used to be like a consistent, like 23 to 25 high school kids each year, every year, uh, year in and year out. I think it's starting to turn like, it's not, it's kind of an obvious statement, but it's starting to turn more and more that it's going to be like, 15 to 17 high school kids now per class and then the rest is just going to be like transfers and we're just that's just the new norm it's almost like a free agency and there's like so many things like going on right now between the hardball rumors we have an nfl so there's it's like it's tough because you want to like almost write about it as like a free agency thing and be like oh like hey if hardball leaves like watch the mass exodus happen at michigan yes yeah. watch someone go post an article maybe me uh, about how there's like seven Jersey kids over there that could potentially go to Rutgers just because the portal's so yeah. easy and they want to play and they want to play back home and it's it's interesting like the whole the whole like transfer portal is really changing the game pretty much and it's for sure I don't know if you it's gotta wonder bad. <laughs> if rivals changes their uh, their ranking calculator because I know they take the top twenty of a class in yeah. terms of the, the the class rankings but if a lot of teams consistently are taking classes of 15 17 kids like they're never going to be in the top 25 because it's just hard to make up that gap yeah um, I, I know we're starting to talk about including transfers and transfer rankings and all that stuff it's uh it is hard to rank transfers too but they, they do kind of do it already like if you saw today we posted an article from mike farrell who's kind of in charge of our transfer portal stuff gave uh taj harris an 8.5 out of 10 which is hell of a ranking i think it's like yeah forget what it defines as technically i think it's like a very good player that will be a contributor potential nfl guy um something like that yep um another uh update we had a transfer out today matt russo or Rosso, uh offensive lineman from pennsylvania i think he was the class of 2019 um he is no longer with the program he's uh somebody who he's class of 2018 somebody who you know been in the program for three, four years, hasn't really made any noise, hasn't been able to break the depth chart, made a lot of sense. This is one of the, the guys I think that we both were looking at as a possible transfer out. Uh, does that sound about right? Am I <laughs> kind of coming to the right conclusion there? Yeah, that's pretty spot on. Uh, I was looking at it this morning, actually, that 2018 class of Chris Ashes. I think there's six kids left out of uh, the 22 that signed. Oh, jeez. Um, six six kids like every single other kid has either transferred out or i guess you can count jut Britton as a uh, medical retire um but like paul woods eddie lewis jalen jordan gone 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 jalen chapman Fikowski, roster gone 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 uh, o'neill now um thomas matthew thomas jamie chroma jared paul etc there's there's only <laughs> the only real good contributors were avery young izzy and abraham and Pacheco and Reggie Sutton, I guess, if technically contributor. You You're missing else. a big one there. What am I missing? Oh, Corsac. Sack. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the rest, yeah. it's, it's wild to see like the entire. Some of these, just yes, some gone. of these names are just like and totally out of left ago, field. Too. Like, this is like three years ago. And I don't think, I hate to say it, but 
not one of them transferred up. I mean, O'Neal will probably transfer up or have the chance to at least. The rest all transferred down, though, it seems like. And it wasn't even like, you know, group five transferred down. It was like, like FCS. low-level FCS. Like Davion Robinson, I think, transferred to Robert Morris. I think that's after what After he, he left here. Um, <clears throat> he was playing hoops, too, I think. Yeah. Yep. Woods actually had a pretty good year over at um, Rhode Island. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, did he? Yeah. Uh, I didn't notice. Yeah, he was uh, He was actually getting, like, um, draft profiles written about him, too. Like, he, he had a really wow. good year for Rhode Island. But yeah. Um, So, yeah, not really a huge loss. Kind of more so, like, this is one that we really kind of needed to push out because we need the scholarships, obviously, and this probably won't be the last guy to transfer out. But if this is, you know, part of the healthy process of a, a program that's moving forward. Uh, I know it's kind of a bit of, like, an ugly – Thing to do but every school does it and if we want to improve this is the kind of thing we need to, to keep doing yeah um, and kind of in the same vein uh sometimes you need to move on from coaches that you're not happy with and we had it seemed like that might be the, the part of the reason why taekwon's gone is that shano wasn't necessarily happy with all the the progression of uh the receivers in, in the program and maybe some of the the recruiting uh turnout from the receiving group you hearing any new names regarding the receiver coach or any of the new assistants that could be coming in or is it still kind of the same situation no it's all still pretty mum um i know we were just talking about it before so people are commenting all kinds of random names there was the what was the guy's name the fiu assistant the oc uh yeah i don't even remember it's like shonsky or something rich gorsky skrosky um I, I people are just commenting random names at this point and and we i know we talked about it last pod and i don't want to make fun of anybody but I kind of do. <laughs> and it's just like someone said some random fucking name. And then it was just like, oh, my God, we just talked about this. Yep. Yeah. It's a lot just, of people are are catching, keep uh, are listening and mid joking about it, too. So you love to see that, that are, they're getting yeah. inside jokes. And yeah, we don't mean any harm by it. Like, relax yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah, I found out that top five thing I was talking about with Hobbs was actually Pernetti. That was oops. Oh, well. Oh, really? Yeah, that was actually a Pernetti thing, supposedly. Um, but going back to the wide receiver coach thing, I think without a doubt, Joe Daly has to be your number one option. He's a freehold guy, freehold New Jersey native, um, has a pretty good resume, turned around, uh, helped turn around Boston College's uh, offense and their wide receiver core in general. Um, he has Big Ten experience playing in Nebraska. He's been a QB coach at some other spots, a recruiting coordinator at Kansas. Like he has a very, very good resume. He also just helped him sign a four-star last class in um, Joseph Griffin. Mind you, Massachusetts to Boston College. I mean, you, you should probably land those every time if you're Boston College, but I'll let that one go. Um, <clears throat> also, do you really want to work for John McNulty? That is, God, what the fuck were they thinking? I, 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 nice yeah. guy, nice guy. But I mean, holy shit. If you fail twice at Rutgers, you're probably not going to do well anywhere as an offensive coordinator. And that's not to say that we're like a, an outstanding program or something like that. But I mean, now I, he just runs such an antiquated style of offense at this point. And Jerkovic is like a pretty mobile guy. Like he's not a guy that you should probably be using in a pro style offense. So no, mind you, he's a very, he's getting a very good quarterback. He's not working with Art Sikowski anymore, yeah. but like, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, I think Rutgers, if I'm the guy in charge of the spreads in Vegas, I might have just shifted the spread in favor of Rutgers now. 
you just replaced uh, Rob Smith for Harris Simiak. You got uh, a pretty good quarterback. You got a good weapon for him now. You got offensive lineman for him. And then this these guys over here are just like, yeah, we're going to hire McNulty. We're going to hire your former OC that averaged 13 points in year one. And it's not like it was a fluke. It was 13 points in year two. Yep. I don't know. That was that was bad. Uh, I'm sorry if John McNulty watches his podcast, but geez. Like, yeah, that was rough. Yeah, uh, I don't know. And, and that it actually brings up a solid point that someone said on the boards. Halfway doesn't have a ton of connections throughout the college world. And this is why he might be reaching for like a lot of former Shiano guys or former guys like that have been on the Rucker staff with him or the Pittsburgh staff. So it's, it's kind of interesting because I feel like if you're BC and you're kind of spending money for a change on the football program, you should be able to get someone better than McNulty. Yeah. And it's interesting seeing Pitt like poach kind of like lateral, like program levels, uh, assistance, like between Underwood and yeah. Signetti, like, I don't want to say that they're like above us now, but they clearly have a little bit more juice than Rutgers. Does. I mean, when you win your conference, that'll happen. Heisman you finalist. We have a Heisman finalist and we have a Blitnikoff forward winner. Probably a Heisman but, finalist if he knock on everything goes to plan. Yeah. So I think, I think this is the kind of program that, you know, you're there for one year, as long as you don't like, uh, as long as they don't regress, that those guys should be in, in line to, you know, elevate their careers even further. Like Taekwon probably has aspirations of being either a coordinator or a head coach. Oh, and sure. if Addison pr- produces to the same level, that's going to be something he could point to. And even if it's not really him who's doing it, like it's, it's better when your guys are performing than not. Like you can mask your deficiencies when you have a guy who's just going crazy. I mean, um, look at it from Underwood's perspective to go from coaching Rutgers where you kind of developed Bo Melton. You can, you, there's no doubt about it that he helped Bo Melton develop into the player he was. Um, how much of an impact did he have? It's tough because that was Bo Melton's final, like later years in his career. But now you have a chance to go coach the number one receiver in the country. If this kid puts, gets put on any Heisman finalist list, if he wins the Blitnikoff again, it mm-hmm. just, it makes his resume just look so much better. And that's yep. like you said, it's just a resume builder at this point. And I'm sure him and Greg probably talked about it. I don't think he left Greg on bad terms. I think he probably said like, Hey, Greg, like you got to understand, like, I, I can't turn this down. This is a chance to coach the number one receiver in the country and yep. it's going to help my resume. And who knows, maybe I'm back in a couple of years and Gleason gets another job and I'm your OC. Maybe I'm yep. just skip on here, but I think um, at the end of the day, he probably told him, and Greg probably quote unquote gave his blessing of sorts. And it was just like, no, I totally understand. Just give me a couple of, and I'm sure Greg knew about this for a week or two, at least. And probably yep. said like, all right, give me a couple of weeks to figure something out so I can at least have someone ready to go. Now you start looking at the Twitter stuff and it's like, all right, shit. Like he was just, he was in Florida like a week ago. <laughs> yep. So I don't know, but it's interesting. But in terms of names, um, going back to that, I put Demire Shaw on the list, but in reality, I don't think he gets the job. It sounds like he's probably going to be a DB's coach with Fran. I think mm-hmm. he takes that 10th assistant role. It sounds like cornerback specifically. Um, other than that, John Garrett, who actually was the head coach at Lafayette, where Underwood was the wide receivers coach, would make sense, but he doesn't have that sexy appeal. Um, I, I really like the Brian Jenkins idea. I don't know if he has any interest in coming back to Rutgers whatsoever. It seems like he's kind of been – uh, working at HBCUs for quite some time now. 
Uh, he seems to enjoy it down there. He's like the assistant head coach slash OC slash quarterbacks or something. Maybe this could be his uh, little catapult into another head coaching job. Um, other than him, I know everyone likes to talk about Rosenbaum because he has a Sean Gleason connection over at Princeton. Again, not, not a sexy hire by any means, in my opinion. Ben McDaniels is one that really intrigues me. I know he was Rutgers OC and kind of faltered a little bit as the OC. Yep. Um, but he was the wide receivers coach too. And he did play a big role in, um, he is actually the wide receivers coach the last time they had a thousand yard receiver. So it's like, did he play a role in it? Was it probably the fridge? Yeah. I, eh, it's a tough call, but I mean, as a wide receivers coach, and then he kind of has that appeal too. that he's like the younger brother of the quote unquote, soda, so soon to be head coach of the Raiders maybe. Yeah. So he's, you're talking about Josh McDaniels, former yeah. uh, New England Patriots uh, offense coordinator. He did actually accept that job. He got introduced, I think, yesterday or two days ago. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him join his brother because he's currently with the Houston Texans. Uh, but he's also worked under Greg at, uh, at Tampa for two years. He was at Rutgers for two years under Flood. So there is a connection there. Um, I think it'll be interesting. I think it'll just like, you know, one day it'll be announced on Twitter. It'll be some name that we're not expecting given how things have kind of gone recently. Watson was kind of projectable, but Harris Simiak was kind of out of nowhere. Um, I did want to touch on one last thing before we sign off because we're getting a little long here. Yeah. Um, kind of how you were talking about classes becoming smaller and smaller for the high school level. Mm -hmm. It also is kind of making these, you know, low three-star level kids who waited a little too long have to decide, do I take an FCS scholarship? Like I'm clearly good enough that I earned a scholarship at some point. Um, but do I walk on to a power five level school or do I take a, an FCS scholarship? Cause if you're looking at like, you know, Brad Harris, he's typically a guy who would get a late offer from some places. Uh, if you look at like Devin Widener, who's the quarterback from Cocoa, Florida, he's, he's a three-star prospect on rivals. Who's deciding between UCF and Rutgers. Uh, if you look at a guy like Michael wing, it sounds like he's potentially going to be walking on to his next program. Rutgers seems like they're in the thick of it there. So I know we like to dismiss walk-ons because they are, for the most part, they're not going to make an impact. But it seems like the level of player that is walking on now in 2021 is much higher than it was even a couple of years ago, given the transfer portal. Yeah, I think we started to see this towards the end of Shiano's tenure at 1.0. And then early on with uh, Kyle Flood kind of kept it going as well. We saw like a couple of three stars back in the day just walk on at Rutgers. And it's like, holy shit, like, all right, like. And a kid like Widener is huge if they can land them, which I, I think they have a pretty good shot. It's going to be tough to keep him away from UCF, who's like 25 minutes from his house. Mm -hmm. um, but they do have a new OC down there, so there's not a ton of, like, relationships there. He's been talking to Gleason since probably March, April, something like that. Um, I think landing him would be huge. Michael Wing would be another huge one who I think actually could be a contributor down the line. Um, who was the other one? Brad Harris. Brad Harris is solid. Um, I don't know if he's – more than a depth piece, but he will be probably better than some of the scholarship kids that were takes under um, Ash. So it's like, like, like you said, these are kids that these were all Ash commits during the day. Yep. Or, these were early Ash commits too. These, yeah. these were like plan D guys for, for Rutgers right now. I sometimes think he just looked at offers and he was just like, yeah, we beat out 13 schools. And it's like, yeah, not really. <laughs> yeah. I think he was all about like, a uh, bitching about why he can't win because of certain things he didn't have and be like projecting like 
you know, well, we got this kid who had this many offers, like you said, and we got this kid who, you know, could have went here and blah, blah, blah. Like basically defending himself constantly because his on-field results were putrid. Yeah, that's that's one term for it. I could think of a couple others. Pretty long uh, try covering list. This, like, when he's the head coach, it's hard. Oh, I can imagine. I, like from like all the content just like slowly declining in terms of viewership and like it's, subs dropping. Like it's it's brutal for for site owners and site managers. I can uh, imagine it was rough, and that, that's when I took over too. That's the worst part. <laughs> like this is like living in the golden era now. Yeah, we're on the up and up, and I think with everything that we're seeing from the program, we have a bright future. Um, starting next year, I think we'll see a watchable product on offense. Um, but And a very good defense, it sounds like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll see. So you got any final words for Rutgers fans before we sign off? Well, not really for Rutgers fans, but this is a little shout out to uh, my buddy, Keith Sargent. Uh, he's no longer with the Rutgers beat anymore. He's now a political insider, it sounds like, over at NJ.com doing investigative uh, journalism over there. Um, Trenton, you're kind of fucked now, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, I, if I'm Murphy and those guys, I'd probably watch my back now. Now it's getting, now you got that guy down on the beat. You're kind of screwed. You better be careful, but uh yeah, no, shout out to Keith, uh, one of the good guys. Um, shared a margarita with him over in State College not too long ago. So Nice. Yeah, great guy, Keith. Uh, and, um, yeah, I think Fonseca's getting the promotion, sounds like. So, and that's my dude, so I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, it's going to be weird with, you know, <clears throat> Rutgers sports not covered by Keith Sargent. I mean, he's been around for, like, 20-plus years. Like, basically, as long as I've been able to, like, know what Rutgers was, it's been associated with Keith Sargent's writing, so – Definitely going to miss him, but we're, we have good, we're in good hands with, you know, the rivals with Cratch, with uh, Politi, like yeah. there's a pretty good group of reporters that cover Rutgers sports. So sad to see Keith go, but we are in good hands. And Brian Fonseca, I think he used to work for rivals at some point, right? Yeah. A couple of years ago. Yeah. So we're, we're all familiar with him and it sounds like he's going to be filling in for the big shoes of Keith Sargent, but yeah. Agreed. I'm to see who takes over that, uh, that yearly uh, quote unquote hit piece, you know, the, Rucker spends too yeah. much money. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel bad for Fonseca if he has to do that. That's going to hurt him a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> not a good, not an ad or not a desirable uh, seat to sit in. Nah. Um, taking shots from Rutgers fans in those situations. Yeah, but, it happens. You know, what are you going to do? But appreciate you guys tuning in again. We'll see you hopefully soon. We'll probably see you guys soon again. I don't know. News is coming at us fast and furious. So stay yeah. tuned. Keep, uh, keep an eye on your podcast feed and, and the boards for more news. But till next time, guys, thanks for tuning in. It's been the Board Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.